The Ringer's music critic Rob Harvilla curates and explores 60 iconic songs from the 90s that define the decade. Rob is joined by a variety of guests to break it all down as they turn back the clock. Check out 60 songs that explain the 90s exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a very delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a very delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always, for the intro music. Go check them out on tour. As uh, basically every band you listen to seems to be on tour. I can't wait to see live music. Have you guys bought any summer tickets? No. Unfortunately, no no live music tickets yet. But that's mostly because of my uh, life situation, mm. being a parent. I am not a fan huh. of live music, but I support whoa, whoa. musicians. You hate, you hate food. You hate I, live music. <laughs> where did this hate food rhetoric come from? You're Dionysus' worst enemy. You don't like food. I don't like I music. love food. I sincerely adore and and love food. I don't know where this is coming from. However, I don't like live music. I'm actually pretty on the record about this. Anyone who's ever followed my work knows that I don't like live music. Full stop. No. Thank live you, music. Isaac, for continuing to help us hemorrhage listeners. I'm the I'm the wet blanket. <laughs> Of this podcast. Um, I don't know what to say anymore. Uh, all joy has been taken out of line. Which leads us to maybe a, a question. Um, what are your thoughts about the world we know before COVID in terms of the top 50 list, the Michelin Guide, the 101, the Eater list, the New York whatever, food writing, the gatekeepers, all of these things. Do you think any of that matters anymore? Because I, I feel like there's a growing sense that the foodie culture that was so, I want to say dominant, but really peak niche bubble, 2000 to 2020, like a good 20-year run, is not nearly as strong as it once was. Your thoughts? <laughs> I, I think that those gatekeepers... And I mean everything from the top down, Oscars, Grammys, just look at how it's played out over the last few years. And I, and the trickling into food media, the award systems of all of the, <laughs> those bodies across the board seem to have less idea of like what the fuck to do right now than any other <laughs> organized system I've on earth. 
But but it's not even that. It's like where to eat and what to eat. Like I don't know. And 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 I'm not saying it's a free for all. And you know, our friends that work in these websites and the traffic, the guides seem to be doing a lot better than anything else. But you know that sort of ravenous appetite for what was next. You know when when our good friend Ivan Orkin was live broadcasting his meal at Noma Tokyo like several years ago. I think everybody that I knew in food that couldn't make it there was following that. And it yeah. was like a holy shit moment. Do you think that would ever happen again? Like, are we, you know, that sort of frothy bubble that <laughs> food was like, it was, it was awesome. And I loved experiencing it, but with everything that's happened, do you, what I'm asking is, do you think we're going to recreate that moment where it's like, oh yeah, like I'm going to drop everything just to see, not even to eat, but just to follow restaurants and what to eat and what's the best steak this. And I don't know, like if I'm having a hard time boxing it in, it's because I just feel the zeitgeist has changed. That's just me. I think it's a little bit cyclical and a little bit not. I hear what you're saying. I think the gatekeepers don't work now because the gates are wide fucking open, right? That's what you're, you're basically talking about. The gates are open. We don't, there's nobody stopping us at the gate anymore, but what is going to emerge from that? The original function of the, the, you know, singular newspaper food critic was the person who, with all of the options you have in New York City, you need somebody who can boots on the ground, tell you what to eat, where, like where your dollar is best spent. I don't think that need goes away. And I think eventually will, will increase. I think like with so many people being led into the gates now, if, if for better and worse, it's going to become hard to parse what's what's what what needs to be eaten again. I, I do think we're gonna it's it's gonna come back to some extent. I don't think it's gonna come back in the form it was. I don't think it's gonna be awards. I don't think it's gonna be stars, but I think it's gonna be raw information. That's that's what I think. I feel weirdly that this is a the new era of like food vigilantism almost, right? <laughs> um I'm not saying it's good or bad, but what I really appreciate are the amateur, I don't want to use the word foodie ever again, but people that like love to eat and are pursuing the new, they're doing the work. They're really doing the work. They are going out to places that no one else is going to. And I feel like emboldened to share that experience. And I think that's awesome. I think what the question is, is how does the cream rise to the top? Like with all of these people now saying that this is good and that is good, how do you find who is the person to listen to? Yeah, well, I mean, especially when you bring subjectivity into it, right? Who is the person I should listen to? Because my tastes coincide with that person, you know? Like, do you believe in a <laughs> our favorite thing in the entire world? Dave, do you believe in platonic ideals? Do you believe in the best? I think I'm going to take a page out of Little Meg's book when talking about sushi in Tokyo. She's like, the best could be 15 different restaurants simultaneously. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is like right now uh, I'm in, I'm in Jackson hole and every fucking restaurant serves an awesome hamburger. They're all really, <laughs> really good. Yeah. And it's not like living in New York being like, well, you got JG Mellon's, you got corner bistro, you got this, this, and this they're like, no, they're all different types of burgers, but it's like at some point it's all good. And it's not like the best player in basketball, you know, or it, it sort of is the best player in basketball. It's like, mm. who is it right now, Isaac? At any point, it could be like Ooh, 10 it could different be any, players. Yeah, it could be KD, it could be Kawhi, it could be LeBron, AD, yeah. 
you know? And, and I feel that's the sort of the same when you get to like the nitty gritty of it all. Um, but that, I, I that's guess- That's exactly where my head was going too with NBA basketball. Like the point is like, yes, I mean, we say this on the Ringer Network, which, you know, spends a lot of time putting things into order. <laughs> Isaac. Into order. <laughs> Isaac. We do, we do. But, yeah. but my big takeaway, like having, you know, having gone to uh, uh, one or two games recently is like, NBA basketball is so fucking good. Just like the burgers yeah. where you are, Dave, so fucking good. And it doesn't really matter to me because no matter where you go, you're going to see some exceptional high quality game. You're going to have an exceptional burger. So I don't know. Does it matter? Do we need to rank them? Can I ask, are we then going to move to more of a collectivist idea of foodieism? right? It's more like the scene, the pizza scene in New York, iconic, you know, scenes. Are we going to start talking about the kebab scene in Los Angeles? I think we might already be there, but is that going to be more prominent than individual restaurants? I don't think so. No? I don't think it's collectivism. I think this is sort of representative of culture in general. Like, no one, Matt, like, you're just going to, you're going to broadcast your own audience. I think the difference is, is, if you are a person that has a platform, like say a critic for the New York Times, I think it's harder than ever because you can't fuck up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can't fuck up. And it's not like watching a movie where it's like fucking up would be like, Godfather 2 is a shitty movie. You know, <laughs> Citizen Kane is garbage. You can't, you know, that's not, that's not like, a, there, there's enough data to where you can build a consensus. What I'm saying is, I think, what is becoming very clear to me to become an expert in food. You can't really say that and not to sound like the school of Athens. You can't say, you know, anything, you can't be an expert in anything, but I sort of mean that is that you really need to approach every subject and be like, I'm still learning. I have no idea because you are physically limited by the knowledge of experience. You just can't taste everything. But I think that causes us to get into a really crazy new area where people assume that they're experts. Well, like there are people, I won't name it on like the food websites that, that claim they're Japanese expert in food. And it could be anything. It could be Cambodian cuisine. It could be Sri Lankan cuisine or whatever. Like how the fuck do they know? Like I, I remember when Pete Wells reviewed Nakazawa and I could pick on any critic, but I'll, I'll always remember this one when he's like, yeah, Nakazawa doesn't have the best rice compared to 15 East. I'm like, what the fuck? What mm-hmm. the fuck did you write? You're like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's like, rice is sushi. <laughs> you know, the shari is sushi. So like, if a critic goes to a local pizzeria that's new and says it's not good, they're maybe judging it on their own experiences, but they may not know that there's these other trends that are happening and they're just behind the times. Which is why I'm, I'm just saying, like, I think it's more interesting to find out who this next generation of people that know what good is. You know what I mean? Like, we need a platform that allows us to sort of, what's the word? Aggregate the best in class people out there. Because it's not one person. I think it's a group of people. Just like there cannot be a group of, uh, there, there can't be one great NBA player. There can't be one great sushi restaurant that's number one. You know, it's like a collection of people that, have a good opinion and good takes and they're like avatars for people. You know, like what I like is going to be very different than what you like, Isaac, clearly, because you don't like anything. <laughs> <laughs> the slander. You, why are you taking but no, but, shots? But, but people that are Isaac Lee fans, the other people that are uh, that also 
are Eeyore and misanthropes and hate, <laughs> hate chocolate and ice Just cream and live music over here and laughing babies. Oh yeah, and, and hate old people and babies. This is you know entirely the people untrue. out there in the world that sort of are in your boat. Yeah, a very very small boat. <laughs> they they want to know the best place to buy grape nuts. Like they need yeah. to know the information. Where do I? Where? How do I recreate Civil War tack? We were we were just <laughs> discussing something deep and meaningful about the food world, and while we're turning, they, they to, want to know where the what are the best earmuffs to wear when your friends force you to go to a live concert and <laughs> oh have a good time with them. Like, how can I block out that noise? Get custom yeah. silicone ones is actually my answer. How do you um, boo? How do you boo? <laughs> The artist on stage without I never getting, boo. I support yeah. musicians. I just don't like going to live music concerts. Which heckles hurt okay. the musician the yeah. most when you yell yeah. them from the crowd. Like, they need so to know like, this stuff. This is, all oh, all, all uh, 14 of you, they look to Isaac Lee as their avatar about where to go and what to eat. And I don't think it's this distilled one thing for everybody, right? It's That's not right. this monoculture. And yet, weirdly, I don't think we have a platform that embraces that multi-perspective universe. Yeah. And I just don't think we have... It doesn't do these uh, gatekeepers or these uh, periodicals just... To, like, doesn't do them any service to embrace other people's opinions other than the people that they employ. You know what I mean? Of course. But the, we don't, course. there's no platform that sort of, like, allows it. And it's not Reddit, but... No. In that Reddit-like Wall Street bets type of thing, like we don't have an open source. These are the people that are really fucking good at their jobs. And it's not the blog posts. It's not e-gullets. It's not mouthfuls. It's not opinionated about dining. It's not any of that shit. It's just like, honestly, maybe it's just TikTok. Maybe it is just Instagram. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think the people that are going out there and, and making these like one-minute clip videos... It's highly informational. Yes, yes and no. I think I think it is that to some extent, but what what is missing from those platforms is exposure to stuff outside of your interest. Like I want to be exposed to right. experts in things that I don't know yet. Right. And so like I don't want to create an echo chamber where it's just, you know, it's Isaac's list and it's just people who want noise canceling earmuffs and <laughs> and grape nuts because that's our field of interest. I want to see Oh, hey, I've always been interested in, in knowing more about Ethiopian food. Who is this person mm -hmm. who seems to know mm -hmm. everything about it? That's the that's the missing part from well, those well, systems. Well, but you're you're sort of agreeing with me. Is that like we need to have some kind of um, like de incentivized egalitarian experts <laughs> in each field? I, I was thinking like like a, a super league, <laughs> you know, just, like yeah, uh, yeah, like a. Like just a group of people that are like, yeah. I, I don't agree with you. I'm not looking for agreement or consensus. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's just the people that like, I respect to disagree with you, but this is my take. This is what I think is good. And people do this anytime. It's like choosing a video game character. And I'm not saying that that would exclude new ways of learning about eating, new restaurants, new techniques. But for me, as, as a diner, as someone that's in this profession, I'm like, man, like somebody needs to just like create something where it just sorts out all the bullshit and like follow this person. And yeah. it's not an algorithm. No, it, it, the algorithm just creates the echo chamber because I was going to say, you know, the other, the analog is like Netflix, which is this is an 86% match for your tastes. But it's, it is the Super League, Dave, except for it's the Super League with promotion and relegation. Because if you're the expert, but then people, uh, enough people are like, you know what? Your recommendations suck. You need to be relegated out of the Super League and not be a, a voice of, of authority anymore. 
you know? Which is why I, I want to come out and and proclaim that uh, Here I, I'm running for dictator <laughs> of all food opinions. Yeah. Food media is king of all. I'm the king of all food opinions. Self-proclaimed <laughs> king of all food opinions. I mean, Good this God. podcast is called My Opinion is Fact. So I feel like you're pretty qualified for that position. God. Oh, the fucking dictator thing again. It's so, just, it's like, this is, you know, you this know is a long is. preamble, long preamble, just to let everyone know I am running for office and uh, I'm not allowing anybody else to run for this office other uh-huh. than myself. The Democratic Republic of Chang. <laughs> Oh my God! Should we do some moifing? Let's moif. Let's moff. Let's take a Can quick I break. Can I just say what the fuck did we just talk about? I have no idea. <laughs> this is the, hard, this is the recur- hard to say. That's the recurring question of this podcast: is what the fuck did we just talk about? Um, let's take a quick <laughs> break, <laughs> and then uh, we'll get to some moifs. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, Dave, you mentioned this earlier, and uh, I actually went to such an event last night. Stand-up comedy, overrated or underrated? It's, uh, I don't know if it could be overrated. I think it's underrated. Um, yeah. I think there's something really thrilling to see a comedian die on stage. <laughs> oh, right? And and I mean Jesus. I didn't mean that because some of my best friends are really top comedians and I've seen them just wilt. And why I find it to be thrilling and invigorating is you got to trust the fucking process, man. And it's about picking yourself up, sometimes intentionally failing. I know some comedians that literally the only way they know how to do it is just to get bloodied and fucking bruised and battered and uh, piece themselves together only to break themselves again the following night or sometimes three times in one night. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it is when you see a great comedian on stage crush it, that was not an overnight thing. That right. was just hundreds of hours of getting to that point. And I love, I love it. I love that so much to see that process. Hmm. So that's why I think it's under, I, what I think is underrated about comedy is the process to get hmm. to something transcendent. And I think it's like anything that's a great work of art. And I, 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 uh, I see a lot of myself in that process. 
Hmm. Which also means that I think I should be a great comedian, potential. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't oh wait to God. see you bomb on, on stage. Yeah, I, I had never really thought about it in that way that like that, that sort of, you know, the thrill of Formula One or NASCAR is like the threat of a crash, you know, that, that it's hmm. a dangerous thing. But I'd never thought of <laughs> the threat of a comedian sort of dying on stage no, as part of the thrill. Again, I, I, I'm saying this all facetiously, facetiously, facetiously as a <laughs> as a joke about potato, me being I would never do that because it's so fucking hard. But Chris, you're right. It's it's not even the thrill necessarily. I, I think th- I've never articulated this. I love it when people swing for the fences. Well, I was going to say, I, the high, I was just thinking the high wire act jokes. When you said that, I thought, I thought about... Um, you know, in, in Aziz's set before he, he did his last Netflix set, he has that joke where he's like, did you guys all hear about this thing where some pizza place put a swastika out of pepperoni on their pizza? And his whole joke is relying on somebody in the audience to raise their hand and say, yeah, I heard about that. Because, you know, statute of limitations here, I'll spoil the joke. But he's like, great, because I fucking made that up. And you're a liar, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but like a high wire act like that, where if nobody raises their hands and they don't come along with you, you're going to flop. Like that shit is thrilling. And you think about it after the fact, I, and, and just hearing you talk about the the reason you like stand up, that's the first thing that came to mind are those jokes that like, there's no guarantee of a laugh here. I need things to go right on this joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I mean, it's, it is, I have so much respect for what they do. I, I I could never do that because I can't even dance in front of the people. Why the fuck would I tell a joke in front of people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love stand-up comedy. Um, I went to a show last night. It was a lot of fun. There's nothing like laughing with the room full of people. I got, I got, a, I got a good contest for us. A good bet. <laughs> okay. No. Oh, when we do this caloric experience that Isaac Lee has not yet realized he's been drafted in. What? <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me? Oh, yeah. I'm You're doing this too? In the caloric experience. No. 100%. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is, this is against my will. Uh, loser. Loser of the caloric experience challenge. No, 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 no. I refuse. I know where this is going. <laughs> loser of the caloric experience challenge. Has to go on an open mic. Oh, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yes. No, 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 no. Dude, no, it's no, better no, no, than no. a tattoo. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Was a tattoo on the table? Nobody yeah. agreed to these terms. Yes, a tattoo's on the table. I am not signing this contract. You know what? Fuck it. Whatever it takes to lose some weight, I'm in. God. Let's do this. I'll do an open mic. Let's do this. Open mic. It's got to be 10 minutes, and we got to Instagram minutes. live it. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta have ten minutes of material. Oh no! Five minutes. All right, we'll do five minutes. Five minutes of material. The loser has to go open mic. Any Uh, open mic. I I refuse. This is uh, point the gun at my head. I'm I'm good. I mean, this is how confident Dave is, though. Can you imagine Dave ever showing up at an open mic and doing doing his tight five? Come on, man. I, I will. I will. Literally go on the Lance Armstrong fucking drug routine. I will <laughs> yeah, pump but, myself full of fucking anything I need to but do to you never go how, on open mic. How many people would want to see you do that? Like, I will get so much help from people who want to see you. Oh, yeah. You know, I'll just fucking do cocaine every day. Good luck. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Lawrence Taylor was the greatest, greatest football player on cocaine. (laughs) Chevy Chase was the greatest comedian on cocaine. cocaine. I think I'm going to be 
the greatest caloric experience contestant on cocaine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You you do coke, uh, and I'll do fen and we'll just see each other in the grave here. Oh my god! All right, what uh, is was, happening? I, what I is happening? I don't know. Don't know. Uh, <laughs> our next topic. <laughs> Cabeza. Do you think this it? is the most random ass fucking? Yeah, put thirty absolutely. minutes absolutely. we've ever recorded. I mean, we we, all, we set the bar every single time we do one of these. It gets more and more chaotic. But anyway, Cabeza. Usually, usually this is how the the awful lines fall. Dave anti Chris pro. What's cabeza? Cow cheek meat. Cheek meat. Head meat. Oh. Head meat. Yeah, cabeza literally means head. The only oh, the only uh, Spanish word I know from the the face is ojo. That's it. <laughs> okay. Uh, ojos. Yeah. I uh, which I've also eaten in a taco. But I, I think uh, I I can I always order cabeza. And I to be honest with you, I'm sixty uh, percent kind of sad that I did. Really? Yeah. I don't like cheek meat anymore. Yeah. Texturally is not what I is like a little too mushy, mushy by the time it can be picked yeah. off. It's very you know? fatty. It's sort of like overcooked carnitas, basically. Can I tell you where I'm at on not just cabeza and meat in general? And again, praise this. Like I'm not gonna give up meat, but more and more I'm thinking about it, it's like it's fucking gross. It is fucking oh, of course disgusting. It is. Yeah. <laughs> But it's so delicious. Uh, I can't. Yeah. Uh, every time I'm ripping into a chicken leg, I'm like, that's a fucking leg. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is, of a very is, young chicken. Yeah. I know that, but as I've always thought about that. And I'm just sort of separating two things. Is I, I think it's really hard for anyone to say, you don't have to even talk about the environment, but just like, okay, like taking the life to consume. I think it's one thing. I think hunting for your meat if you're not buying it and you're living off the land, that's one thing. I'm totally down ethically and morally. For me, I just don't have the the fortitude <laughs> to like give up meat because mm -hmm. my stomach is much more powerful than my mind. <laughs> 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 and yeah. and and like one reason why, besides this, I guess just working with meat so much, it's just like, mm -hmm. ah man, like. I don't want to cook chicken meat anymore. It's a pain in the ass. I would if it, like it's an animal that I killed and shot. And I mean, I know that we'll serve it on restaurants. I'm just, I'm giving you like something that I'm wrestling with. And like, it doesn't even have to be that. It's like fish. Like I've been spending so much time going all the way back to college thinking about Ahimsa and the perspective of a non-meat eater or even like that, the concept of Jain, like the philosophy, the, the philosophy of this religion, Jainism, which I think is really beautiful. Like if you're gonna like stop suffering, like just go all the way. Mm -hmm. I'm saying all of this because I think over what I'm turning 44 this year in a couple months, a month, I have now spent more time, 20 plus years, thinking about what it must be like to be a vegan or vegetarian, not for just environmental reasons. That is a whole nother subject but simply because you don't want to take the life of something mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what that means. And I don't really have an answer. Like I think about it a lot, but I'm not able, just because I think about it doesn't mean I can do it. And doesn't mm -hmm. mean that like, I want to prevent anyone else from doing it. This is just speaking for myself. Every time I'm at a restaurant, I want to order a fucking piece of meat. Right. You know, cause it's so delicious, but I'm trying to just thread out and separate the idea that like, First of all, I have killed a lot of animals. If you haven't killed an animal to eat, 
I think people honestly would eat a lot less meat if they had to kill their own meat. I really right. believe that. Or the process of suffering and death that has been so removed from eating. Right. Right. Like if, if we had to go back to like Chris and I talked about it in the meat episode and Ugly Delicious, but uh, steak episode, but like if you had to go back to like the early 1800s with Bill the Butcher or 1900s where people were eating steak literally in a room full of cow carcasses. <laughs> Nobody would do I it. Don't, I don't think people would do that today. Yeah. We've gone so far where it used to be cool in the 50s on and up where you would walk past the dry age room. They would bring out a cart of all the cuts of meat. That is now gone. And dry age rooms are now gone. You don't even see that. The whole idea that you're eating something that came from another animal has been completely eradicated. Mm -hmm. And it's like literally it falls off the tree. I think one of the things that we probably should bring more of is letting people know that a life was taken. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against animal husbandry. I'm 100%. I'm 100% meat eating. But I think partly is like just being responsible. As a hypocrite as I am, sometimes like I forget that. And it's something I have to constantly remind myself to be a little bit more responsible. Mm -hmm. Because I think, yeah, it goes without saying, or we have not said it, (laughs) I should say, uh, part of this cabeza overrated, underrated question and, and riffing on what Dave was saying about if you eat meat and you can't, and you haven't killed the animal, there's some irresponsibility there. If you're a meat eater, but you're turned off by the idea of cabeza, cheek meat, whatever, mm. like that's kind of a problem. And you should think, mm. I, I know a lot of people that feel that way. Lingua now, as well. Lingua as well. Now, like something else you said, Dave, that's really interesting is like, you know, you were like eating the ch- chicken leg is gross. It's gross to think about that you're eating this body part of this animal. That kind of perfectly registers with me because when I think about the vegetarianism and not eating meat, it's actually not so much the act of killing the animal that bothers me, as weird as that is to say. I don't know if this makes me sound like a fucking sociopath or not, but like I've killed animals as well. And that's not the part that turns me off to meat. Mm-hmm. It's that like, and now I'm going to bite into this strip steak, which is a piece of muscle from this animal's back. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just going to take a bite off of its hind quarter. You know what? You know what I really want to eat today is a plate that has a little bit of its butt over here. And then just like some of its belly, it's like soft belly from down here. Mm-hmm. Like that's the part. And I think they are maybe two distinct things, or maybe I'm just sounding like a complete fucking no, maniac. You're right. I mean, look, all, all living things die. And there's a plenty of debate around this topic about whether if you actually do kill an animal and, and eat it, is that some sort of, like revitalization because now it's becoming part of you. It's a dead thing becoming a living thing because it's now edifying your body. There are people who think that way instead. I'm kind of of the opinion of I'm like- I'm some patchouli. I'm, some, I'm smelling some patchouli over on my Zoom. <laughs> patchouli? <laughs> no, there, there are people who, th- who think that way. I mean, look, you kill a living thing and now it's dead. Do I hear, do I hear Franklin's Tower playing 1984 <laughs> Cornell? Oh, God. <laughs> and and it's part of like you know like a, a literally revitalizing it um in many ways like in terms of just like atoms right in terms of matter becoming part of life again however i i'm kind of of the opinion that you just have to honor your food and to be conscious of for your own sake i'm eating something that was once connected to a brain that had a conscious that had a will and an intent no um, but it's it's i don't have the fortitude yet Maybe one day, like I'm here, one of my buddies, he only eats elk 
and venison. And occasionally he might eat something when he goes to a restaurant because like we went to a restaurant and he got like a, a grain bowl. And I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because like I'm eating a burger again with bacon on it because it's fucking delicious and I love it. It was so good. And I looked at him, he's like, why would you do that? Why would you eat a fucking grain bowl? And another time we ate, he got like an appetizer of warm potato salad. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like, it didn't make any sense to me. It's like, and again, the second time, I had another juicy burger, but this time I didn't have it with bacon. Just, just a cheeseburger. It was delicious. God. And each time I'm like, you eat meat. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, it's so sad. I feel so sad for you. Like, you don't <laughs> bite into this beautiful, juicy burger that is so delicious and choice. And you have this sad grain bowl. And, <laughs> and, and he's like, I have elk in the freezer, and that's the meat that I eat. And I have so much elk that I want it. I, it's delicious. I love it. And that's what I eat. And he's like, I've been out to the restaurant. It's not to say that he won't order meat, but like, He's like, uh, he's like on his own diet. It's like a keto diet or whatever. And like, honestly, I just, I look at this person like the same person that's like six foot three and like only eats no carbs, no sugar, works out three hours a day, still does their job, still does everything. You're just like, how the fuck do you do that? I don't have that, that willpower to do that. I respect it. I want to learn how to do that. I've never hunted elk before, and it's something I clearly would love to learn how to do, but I think it would be a different feeling to know that, oh, everything I'm eating, and it's very different than, like, I know, like, Zuckerberg and all these tech bros are only doing, like, I only eat fucking meat I hunt. No, I, I, I think this is a very different thing. nothing like that. Yeah. When it's more out of, like, I can do this, it's a, my hobby, and it's like, it's, it just makes more sense, I think. And, like, when they're not eating it, or they're not eating animals that they have hunted. I, I don't know. It's like, I find it very admirable. I find it more admirable in some ways than any other kind of like uh, way of like avoiding the eating meat. I think it's more honorable to actually only eat meat of things that they have like harvested themselves. I think that's weirdly like I have so much respect for that. I also don't have the discipline to do that, nor the hunting skills to do that. <laughs> <laughs> just go hungry. No, I think it's. I think it's not only admirable. I think it's kind of aspirational because it's. I mean, you know, I'm. You're sure. I'm sure that elk meat is delicious. I yeah. I have friends that are the Muslim faith, and they're just like no fucking chance of eating shellfish. Friends mm-hmm. that are uh, Orthodox, they're not eating shellfish or pork. I I, I, res- I not only respect that, like I really admire it. I love that about both faiths. Is that it's a constant reminder of your religion of what you're mm-hmm. allowed to eat, what not allowed to eat. Like, I want that. Someone give me that rule. I don't or want a constant that rule. affirmation of your faith. Like, it's an act yeah. you have to perform constantly. It's not like I can just be a sort of, like, lazy version of whatever I believe in, right? And Which I don't want are. that rule to be, I don't want a rule to be when I have a heart attack and it's like, you got to only eat vegetables now. You're like, fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't want that to be my reminder. It's like, oh, I have a fucking triple bypass surgery and then you have to eat well or something like that. I, I, I really admire where people just have the discipline like, no, I'm not eating that. Like when someone passes a bacon, I'm like, motherfucker, you are. <laughs> You're so powerful. 
God, your God is so great. <laughs> You're such a true believer. Your God is so fucking great. Like, God damn it. But like, Or, or you can think about this. Your God is a sick, sadistic motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm here for it. I think shrimp, it's like- no shrimp, co- No shrimp cocktail? No anago? No bacon? Oh my God. Uh, but I, I mean, like, it's, 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 it's exactly the sort of premise for the caloric experience, though, Dave, because you and I... And I'm and Isaac, like we all know we don't have the willpower to do this. And so we're asking for a situation that's like, please force us to do this. Please give us the equivalent of a triple bypass so that we have to eat correctly. Like that's the only way to do it. And I and I think about this now too. You know, my mom just left us and she's been through a lot of treatment over the 25 plus years, and she's getting the shit kicked out of right now with chemo. But like, I don't want to take eating something for granted. You know what I mean? Like, while I'm healthy enough, like, I, I want to be able to, like, find a way to reset in the same way as a, a cook oftentimes. And I mean this. If you're a cook and you've, you're listening to the show and you've never thought about resetting your palate, you're not doing your job. You're not doing your job. Every few months, you need to actually ask yourself this metaphysical question, existential question, like, what is my palate? Is it overseasoned? Is it too much salt? Do I want too much acid? And you sort of need to do an evaluation, like a 360 review of your palate. And I think the same thing, I'm looking for a reset in how I eat because like when I made something for my mom, she's like, wow, this is really delicious. You know, like that's that moment that I want again, because I feel like I've been introduced to so much that it's all Hmm. like desensitized to some degree. Is some of this coming from the fact that you are in Wyoming right now? You are like living a little more in, in you know, a, a rustic, more less urban life. Do I want to be in K Town? Do I want to go to St. Gabriel Valley right now? 100 fucking percent. <laughs> are you though? Because, like, I, you know, this, 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 the thing that comes to mind right now is like, I'm listening to you here, like, t- say this stuff, Dave, and I'm like, this is just like Bill Murray in Lost in Translation calling his wife from a, a hot tub in Japan, being like, I just want to be healthier. I just want to eat more Japanese, you know? Like, no, I, it's not, it's not about healthy. I think I'm trying to appreciate what I have. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I guess in some ways it's, it's when I've talked about hamburgers again, it's like, I don't want to be elitist in that sense. Like you can't think a burger is fucking delicious. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and then it goes back to when people are like, Oh, you like Domino's? I'm like, yeah, I grew up eating Domino's. It's what I thought was the first pizza. It's like, I think it's stupid to say like anybody that, that likes Domino's is an idiot or Papa John's. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can fucking hate them for their company values and shit like that. But I think what I'm trying to get less of is judging somebody because they can or cannot eat something or they like something a certain way. Even though this podcast is all about judging, I get it. But I think in, in practice, for me, it's, it's like personally, I'm just trying to get to a place where I'm like resetting things where I, you know, Juan Marie Arzac, if you don't know who Juan Marie Arzac is, he's one of the most influential chefs in the world, runs a restaurant Arzac in San Sebastian. And, uh, really the godfather of modern Spanish cuisine. And his daughter, Elena, is an outstanding chef in person. But one of the things I've always loved about Juan Marie, and I think more about this than ever before, particularly when I spend more time with Hugo, is that he always looks at life through a child's eyes. And mm. I've always understood that, but now having Hugo, you know, like, I like hanging out with Hugo not to, like, overlord over him and to tiger dad him, but I really want to experience what he's seeing. You know, he was on a, like a 
like a jumpy castle thing. Those bu- like those air bubble castle mm-hmm. bounce bumpy, house. What are, how, yeah, bounce house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was the first house. time he was on it, and like the pure joy he had of ta- like jumping up in that thing and the giggles. I was like, that's why I'm here is just to see what he's experiencing. And I think for me, I think uh, an- another name drop. Pat Norris talked about the hedonistic bump, right? This idea that every time you pursue something greater everything that preceded it isn't as interesting or as new. And mm-hmm. what I really want to get to a point on with just food and not just food, I guess life in general is appreciate the present, appreciate what I have. And I know I joke about meditating and all this stuff and, and, and self-improvement, but this is clearly a, a result of that is I don't want to like, I want to be able to eat something and be like, this is good. This is great. And not judge it. And like, more or less deprogram how I think about things, that everything's got to be the best. Hmm. You know, and I tie this into how we talked about the podcast, the top, like the pursuit of the best, I think has been an extraordinary detriment to actually gastronomy in general, right? Mm -hmm. We've eliminated everything in between. Mm -hmm. And it's it's this barbell thing now where you have shit or like the best of the best of the best. And all we ever talk about is the best of the best of the best. Instead of like everything else. No, it's a fallacy too, right? In order to get to, if you want the best of the best of the best, you want to call something that, then you have to narrow the field down to something slim enough that you can do so. And then you start cutting everything out. That's why it happens is the pursuit for that, Dave, exactly what you're saying. Trying to get the best restaurant in the world means, okay, well, we can't consider every restaurant. We just got to consider fine dining. Top, top, top 10 pizzerias in the world. (laughs) You just you could do the voiceover for a Food Network show. Why, why 38? Who the fuck came up with 38 restaurants? Why not 45? <laughs> <laughs> Those numbers are very arbitrary. Um, moving on. That was really long. Isaac <laughs> <laughs> just What the fuck? Did, what, can I, again, I did. Re- what, what just happened there? What the fuck? <laughs> Christian, can you just... Did anything make sense of what we just talked about? Did we just... No, Did we well, just look through the looking grass. But you just you just named our our post Dave Chang show recap like sit on the couch reunion show. <laughs> yeah. What just happened there? Instead of like yeah. watch what happens live is what just happened. I, there? I am recording this by the way from a sensory deprivation tank, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I've lost all track of time, yeah. sense, and meaning. And if it sounds like I'm on peyote, it's because I am. <laughs> Isaac, I would, I would 100% endorse you starting a what just happened there post Dave Chang show recap, uh, <laughs> recap half hour. Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Boba, I think I know Holy the answer fuck. to this question, but overrated or underrated? You know, was overrated me <laughs> for thinking that Boba was underrated. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking stupid motherfucker I am. <laughs> Dumb uh-huh. ass. Dictator Dave Chang just killed. Dumb Dave Chang. Uh, <laughs> In the multiverse. Dumb I, Dave Chang has been expelled. I, yeah. yeah. Excommunicated. I just got fucking pruned because I was so fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I hated Boba. And now I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about that. I, all, my memory of Boba of early days was driving home with Boba drinks with my brother from Chinese school and just shooting tapioca balls at stop signs out the window every yeah. time we stopped the car. That's exactly the only reason why I like Boba. It's like it made one hell of a spitball. It's an unbelievable spitball is Boba. So I mean, because good. if you if you know what I know what I'm talking about, like you get the giant straw, 
right? It's the straw that Wendy's should fucking sell the Frosty in. You hear me, fucking Wendy's? Yep. Um, <laughs> it's amazing because you, you you lodge your fucking straw with one boba, but it's like a perfect vacuum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a perfect seal. Mm-hmm. So when you get, exert enough PSI, it just shoots out. <laughs> if you literally faster, than, a, yeah, faster <laughs> than the speed of fucking sound. It's unbelievable. It should be it actually boba should be banned. It should be it's illegal, so dangerous. Man. It's a fucking deadly so dangerous. weapon. If you've never launched a boba out of the straw, like you will be shocked at the velocity you can get on one of these little fuckers, man. They fly. They really fly. Um, there's like a shrimp that has like a lop, like a gun. Did you know mm-hmm. this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, what's it right? called? Like a cannon shrimp or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? It shoots water faster than the speed of sound, and that's how it stuns its prey. Holy the shit! The boba. Is the exact same thing. Do not fuck with that, Bubba. Spitball. It will paralyze you and knock your ass out. You can hunt big game with a boba. Just a yeah. boba tea, man. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to go hunting for moose and elk. I'm just bringing boba moose. Everyone's like, oh, I brought a bow. I brought a rifle. Chang's just like, oh, I just got this boba tea from the quickly over there. I'm gonna take it's going to it's gonna provide me sustenance in between. Um, <laughs> But but I will say that not all bobas are the same. And I, I guess the, for me, like many things in life, I just never had great boba tea. Hmm. And it took the St. Gabriel Valley to just show me what a just ultimate stupid motherfucker I am <laughs> for not appreciating boba. Because every time I buy boba at some of the top shops, I drink it. And sometimes I'll even go for like the, they even have like cream cheese or like crunchy or the topics now are crazy. They're yeah. all fucking delicious. They're all so good. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> Extremely delicious. And um, I swear to God, sometimes I'll just, uh, what's it called? Not fast. Uh, intermittent fast. Just mm-hmm. to eat a boba in the <laughs> afternoon. Because I know it's like 9,000 calories. Yeah, the one yeah. that I want to get. So basically, I was like, in order for me to eat boba, drink boba, I have to avoid breakfast and lunch and all snacks. And it's, I look at it as like my meal. It's like my NutraFast shake for the day. And <laughs> I will tell you, man, I swear to God, it happens every time I take a sip of my, this boba that's like way more expensive than I, than I want it to be. And I taste it on the ride home and I'm like, oh my God. This is so good. <laughs> every time like clockwork, I taste this. I'm like, oh, wow. No. This is outrageously good. Now, Dave, it shocks me. It shocks me how good it is. It's unbelievable. Does this at all affect your opinion of Asian dessert? Ooh. This is not dessert. What do you mean a boba tea is not? You just ordered a cheesecake crunchy topping. <laughs> it's, not, it's not dessert. All it of a sudden, be. you're terming Anthony Scalia? No. <laughs> no. No, I wasn't trying to. I wasn't accusing you of breaking your thing. I'm just saying it shows that Asians are capable of making delicious no, sweets. wrong, wrong, wrong. It just doesn't categorize that way. You don't, <laughs> does anybody? I, it, it falls into tea drinking. Is it tea drinking? Is it what is the tea content in your cheesecake fucking yeah. boba? Though? Very well, low tea relative. content. People fucking put cream in their tea. It's the same. And sugar. It's the uh, same. But you saying it's when like someone, tea drinking. When someone is drinks like me saying, Earl Grey with cream and two things of fucking no. sugar, I'm not saying, oh, that must be dessert. Get out of no, here. No, this is bullshit. This is like here. me saying like, hey, Dave, let's go get a cup of coffee. And then I get buy you a strawberry frappuccino for right. Starbucks. <laughs> right. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, it still falls under coffee. 
<laughs> Does it? I don't. I don't make these fucking rules up. Ask the time variant police. They're the fucking ones I know. You've been god, watching Loki dude. too much. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um. All right. Miraculously, again, we are out of time. <laughs> what is the best thing you ate this week? <sighs> um, Dave, you got something? I can go. Go go go. I made a chuck roast yellow curry a couple days ago. I did the. Uh, I saw this guy Dave Chang a few months back making mm. chuck roast. Which, vari- which variant, Dave Chang? The asshole, or <laughs> the dumbass, yeah, this, or this, the dictator? The, it was the variant of Dave Chang who was he was really bitter about so like not investing in boba for some reason, and so all he could afford was chuck roast. I guess it was that version of Dave Chang. But basically, what is it, Dave? It's it's savory salt the hell out of a big ass chuck roast. Put it in like yeah. a cast iron pot. Mm-hmm. Do it at like 400 for like 30 minutes and then just let it slow cook. And it gets so brown and perfect. And Dave, I think you used your, your you had done this as like the base for many, many different recipes. But you know what I love is the fucking Thai yellow curry paste you can just buy in like a pre-packaged very, jar. Very, so very good with coconut milk. It's hard with to With coconut milk, potatoes, whatever. So good. It's a very good recipe. You guys do it. But I believe it's what the... The, the the avant-garde home cooks and uh, cookbook writers call the reverse the reverse sear. Oh, the reverse sear. I'm the sorry. The reverse I, sear. Let me let me let me start over. So I reverse seared a uh, chuck roast. <laughs> no, fuck that. I refuse. I now I get so mad when I he, someone uses the phrase reverse sear. What is a reverse sear? A reverse sear. I get like like strictly literally would just be like I put an ice cube on this instead. So you're saying you traveled in time? <laughs> through the that quantum, was, you did a, through the quantum universe? What the fuck? Um, but that was the best thing I, I ate, and I think reverse that reverse uh, sear. You mean you you sear? You, you mean you seared? You mean you seared? Right. You just right. seared it's out a, of the order. Only, yeah. The only thing that's dumber is when people say chai tea. You mean so you want a tea tea? Yeah. Tea tea. Or when they just say namaste, meaning yeah. hello and thank you. So. <laughs> Did you do it like in Tenet? Like, how the fuck did you sear this thing? <laughs> did you do it with coal? Did you like freezer burn it? Like, I don't understand. Because no. the it, that term should disappear forever. In the universe of Dictator Dave Chang, nobody shall ever utter the phrase reverse sear ever again. We need we need like a a, a story a, a editor to just keep track of all the things that are happening in this Dave Chang dictator universe. We just need to paint a picture here. Uh, slow cooked beef curries though underrated. I feel like everybody skips out on Und- that underrated shit. Momofuku savory salt. God bless you, mm. Ryan Healy, for sending me some uh, organic oh, plug. Man, it, I know I brought because it's it's so good and the chili yes. crunch. Can fuck I tell me, you though, man, I, so good. my my mother in law was pissed at me because I used all her savory salt, and then I brought her a new jar, and then we were there for three or four days this past weekend, and I used half of it again. <laughs> it's just like I can't stop. I, I'll tell you what I made with savory salt because I, I finally got it back. I got back some, and I used the, I've been using the spicy salt for longer smokes and and braises and uh, you know grilling, but. I got some nice king salmon. I scaled it and I, I made sure that the skin was left open in front of the cold part where the air circulates in the fridge to dry out the skin as much as possible. And I got it to almost look like it was like shoe leather. Hmm. Um, after like two days, I let it just like, just dry the skin out. And I made a ratatouille 
believe it or not. It was delicious. That was really delicious. And it always surprises me how many people fuck up a ratatouille. And I made it a little bit more like Bialdi. The one you see in um, Ratatouille, the movie, is not Bialdi. And the one that Thomas Keller made, uh, not Ratatouille, the one that Thomas Keller made in his cookbook as well. It is more of the Turkish version of Bialdi where you make the sort of like the the, the saute of the onions. And then you shingle the vegetables. And that's what I did. It was more of a Bialdi. And it was, it's always just a fucking crowd pleaser winner. I made that. I studied it with some basil. It was delicious. I seasoned the salmon with Momofuku savory salt. That was it. I did not season on the skin side, only on the meat side. And I let that sit for about like, I don't know, 20 minutes. I didn't season it. I seasoned immediately. I let it sit for like 20 minutes and sort of let it, let it get in there as like a cure, quick cure. And I just grilled it skin side down, oiled the skin a little bit, grilled it on the gas grill. I served it with the ratatouille. I made a, I've been making a lot of pesto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I made that with savory salt. I made that with pine nuts and I made it traditionally. Uh, I did not put in a mortar and pestle though because I do not have one. And I served that with gluten-free pasta because Grace can't eat too many carbs right now because of uh, her pregnancy. And what else did I make? Oh, I had the leftover basil. This is a good move. Leftover pesto and I smeared some Italian like bread. And I grilled the bread. And I've never done Ooh. grilled bread with pesto. Outrageously delicious. Ooh. So good. That, that was like a, wow. Holy shit. That's great. And that's what I served. And I'm telling you, man, like the savory salt, no bullshit. It's awesome. It, it really does. And everyone's like, wow, what'd you do to this? I'm like, you know what I did to this? I just fucking, I just cooked it with savory salt. <laughs> Have you has have you guys been adjusting savory salt as you go? Has it been changing over time? It's remained the same. Um, it's great. It's really really great. Listen, I'm not, I'm only saying this because I know it. It's awesome, and and the chili crunch has been great to have. So, um, and I finally got like a real bottle of sriracha, so mm-hmm. I'm happy. And I still I have all this uh, shit from Wee mm-hmm. that I'm finally getting into. The spicy enoki mushrooms from we, I don't know if they sent it to you. Yeah, yeah, Holy I got this. Holy fucking shit. So spicy. <laughs> really? Because my my jar started like spilling hot chili oil everywhere. And uh, Ooh, I'm man. so excited to crack into that. But it's really it's hot. It's really, really hot. It's really delicious. It almost has a hot pot, hot type of heat to mm-hmm. it. And it almost tastes like laogama without the black bean, but with mm. mushroom. So pretty good stuff. That was a really delicious dinner because usually I don't cook like Mediterranean fare. It turned out to be, a, you know, a trip to Provence and I, I'm back. <laughs> well, welcome home, Dave. It's good. I hope you got some good uh, I got in some, Provence. I got some Niswa salad stuck in my teeth. <laughs> no, that sounds, that well, sounds so me, awesome, let, man. That let me, so let me wash that down with some uh, pastis. Mm. <laughs> Oh my God. I'm gonna, well, let's that, nibble that on some black so olives. Awesome. Let's nibble on some black <laughs> olives, Chris. <laughs> and maybe we'll, maybe, maybe we'll have a dinner of some rouge, simply grilled. And we'll t- <laughs> hold on. Let me change into some smaller shorts. <laughs> See what happens? In one, one imaginary trip to Provence, to Nice, and we're wearing fucking underwear to the beach, everybody. 
this caloric experience. What what diet you want? Caloric experience. Oh, I need to get on that. Yes, you should. <laughs> oh my god! All right, take us out of here. Give us five stars. Uh, however you rate us, which is really only on the Apple iPod page, but um, <laughs> okay, bye.